0: Good evening, everybody, to a special edition of the Erotic Awakening Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about eight poly tools. Oh, sorry, I'm
1: watching the video. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic.
0: If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. The Erotic Awakening Podcast, as well as this workshop. Are offered free of charge to our community. Because of the expenses involved, we are grateful to those that support us through Patreon and donations. Like Sibiris? Like Cerberus. Oh, is that what it is? And K is <laughs> for Kinky JT.
1: Awesome. Hi, Dan.
0: Hi, Dawn. And hi to all of our podcast listeners and workshop attendees joining us live on this Zoom call. We
1: figured we'd do double duty tonight, so since we missed the podcast last week, we are super busy and things got in the way, so we are going to kind of wrap this all
0: together. Yep, absolutely. I'm liking this idea. So what we're going to do for the next hour or so is talk about some of the polyamory tools that are found in the polyamory toolkit, and these are directly as part of our life experience in polyamory. (laughs) And we are looking forward to sharing those with you. And absolutely, I see
1: people I recognize. I do Sorry. too. <laughs> I, I like that
0: part. Uh, some of not only are people that we know from real time, but also some people that are uh, fans of the podcast. And some Patreon supporters, yeah. And Patreon so. supporters as well. Awesome. I think uh, there might even be some horror fans in the audience as well.
1: so awesome awesome so we're gonna kick this off
0: so the background is as dawn and i have now been polyamorous for 20 years when we got started there were not a lot of tools available there was a there was a book or two there was a couple people there's a person or two teaching workshops But there was a lot of philosophies, and I'm not a philosophy guy. I am a tool guy, right? What are the things that are in my toolbox that I can use to help me with the variety of situations in polyamory land?
1: So, and this kind of got started with a workshop that we went to, if you remember. So, we went to a workshop on jealousy, and basically, we walked in, we're like, great, we're going to learn some tools because we're having issues with this. This was years and years and years ago, and... um. Basically, during the workshop, it was jealousy sucks. Most of us experience it. Jealousy sucks. Good luck figuring it out. <laughs> and that was it. So we walked in knowing jealousy sucked, yep. and we walked out knowing jealousy sucked and no tools to help us out with it. So over time, we kind of developed these tools as they were needed. So it's not like we sat down and said, "Ooh, we're going to do these. We're going to come up with this, this, and this in case that happens. No, something happened. And we needed to figure out how to end the suffering, (laughs) and that helped us, uh, I don't know, sometimes stuff just kind of showed up. Absolutely. Sometimes words popped into our head, sometimes ideas, you know, came out of nowhere, and sometimes we learned it through anything from... Uh, the 12-step program, my spiritual path, um, a lot of Buddhist other stuff.
0: philosophy, Absolutely. all kinds of interesting influences that became this, this polyamory toolkit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get right into it. The first one that comes to my mind is... Um, it just came as a result of... So over the weekend, we actually did something weird and strange. We sat with other people in a Ooh. social setting, and I haven't, we haven't done that for over a year, right? It's
1: like 10, year, yeah, 10 years, 10 people that we haven't yes. seen for over
0: a year and a half. And one of the things that we talked about was the power of perception. So that first tool that comes to mind that I want to share with you guys is something that we call change the story. And... It is as simple as, uh, I can clearly recall I had a partner named Karen who went off on a date with somebody and generally when, with that particular partner, we would send a text to each other when we were going to bed just to say good night. Didn't matter um, whether they were, you know, that was just the pattern that we had and So this one night when I Karen is off on a date with a new person and I didn't get a text and at, you know, around the time I would expect to get a text. And it was about 1030 that she texted and said goodnight. Right. So what I did was I created this entire story of why she was too busy to text me prior to that. And as you might. Well, I, I don't know about you. The way my brain works, the story was she couldn't text me because of the great sex that she was having with the new boyfriend. Much better sex than anything that I'd ever done. And they probably did something, you know, uh, Karen is not, and, and I, if you know me, in, uh, this event was posted on FetLife. Yes, I'm Only somewhat of life. a fan of <laughs> Life. I'm somewhat of a kinky person, and, and that particular partner identified as being vanilla, or at least vanilla-adjacent. I- So I had these terrible stories in my head how she was having uh, missionary-style sex and it was very pleasant and there was no screaming or biting and how horrible it was, (laughs) but how wonderful it was for her. It's something that I couldn't give her, right? And what I uh, eventually got around to was realizing that there's this huge difference between what actually happened and the story that I was telling myself happened, right? When I actually talked to Karen about why it took so long to text and all this kind of stuff, you know, it it was not the story that I told myself. So the first tool is change the story, to recognize that what we perceive as happening is based on our perceptions. It's based on our our fears. Based exactly, it's based on our fears. Um, I had prior to getting involved in polyamory a long time ago, I used to have one of my ex wives cheated on me a fair amount. So that's one of the stories that I carry around with me. So if when things look like cheating, I quickly jump to that gun and assume it's this huge thing because that's what I'm bringing with me, right? This story, this tool that we call change the story is all about reframing that stuff in your mind and rebuilding that in your mind and to recognize, take a moment to breathe and step back and separate yourself from that and recognize you don't fucking know what's going on. Oh, we should do the disclaimers. Oh, the disclaimers. You, there will but be. Let me finish the tool first, but you don't <laughs> know what's going on, right? And don't pretend you know what's going on. Instead, Continue to breathe. Be patient. And we have other tools to help you get through the breathing and the patience. But separate yourself from what you think the story is. And an even more advanced version of this same uh, tool is to create the story. Be, the, be, a, be a movie director in your head, right? But make it pleasant, right? And I began this practice of with picturing... Um, a partner, that same partner, the first time that she did have sex with one of the partners, right, one of the people they were dating. And this is not something that people jam to a whole lot, right, but it was very effective for me. It, it's not as kinky as it sounds. I would picture myself sitting in those air ducts that are in the bedroom. And of course, I'm a big nerd, so I assume all star, all air ducts are big enough that you can crawl through them, right, and see through the little grate exactly, <laughs> And I would sit there, and it wasn't like a kinky thing. It was sitting there watching what happened, right? And what I saw was somebody that I loved getting pleasure, someone that I loved feeling joy, someone that I loved enjoying themselves and enjoying what was going on, right? And I, and that allowed me to say, well, what is my actual issue here? Why why is this a problem for me? Mm-hmm. So that's changed the Story.
1: And, well, with Change the Story, also, what I had to tell myself as I I went, you know, as I created stories based on fear with Dan or uh, Big D going off and doing new things, um, I had to remind myself that I knew none of the details. The only thing I knew is that my text had not been responded to. And I actually didn't even know that. My text could have been responded to. My phone likes to hiccup sometimes. Mm-hmm. So all I know is that I do not see a text from him. I try not to put any story to it anymore. I try not to even think that a text wasn't sent because it could have been. Because we've proven that you know before where I'm like, you didn't, you didn't do this thing. And you show me your phone. And yes, you did do this thing. So I try not to give it that much energy anymore and uh, it took some time to get to that mm-hmm. point but it's, it's really very valuable for me like big d is out right now right he sold his house he's got a camper he's he's out he's in uh midwestern somewhere so when he doesn't text me a lot me and i can put some stories through my head and luckily i've gotten to a point where i just don't do that right who the hell knows what's going on
0: so okay. that tool is called Change the Story. So before we get into the next one, the disclaimers. And there's going to be three disclaimers today. The first disclaimer is, if you've listened to the Erotic Awakening podcast before or our workshops, you know that there may well be some naughty language. There some will be. dirty language. <laughs> Things that will make George Carlin blush. No, not really. Can't imagine what does do that. But we are absolutely going to We'll slip in a fuck here and there, whether it's a pleasurable Hey, let's fuck, or a I'll oh, fuck that sort of fuck. <laughs> There's got to be fucks. The second disclaimer: there may be simulated sex in this workshop. There's no, no reason for it. We're 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 leashed. You are on a tether there. There's no reason for simulated sex on this on this particular presentation. It's just something that happens on occasion. The third disclaimer for this particular one is: if you are listening and you and you're like well, hey, because this is going to be rebroadcast later, I don't have to worry about getting writer's cramp from taking all these notes. This will be rebroadcast later on the Erotic Awakening podcast, which you can find over at Erotic Awakening. That's the good news. The rest of that that makes it a disclaimer is that if you do have any comments or want to ask any questions, just put them into the chat box, and we will maintain your anonymity. We will not mention who is asking questions and such in the old chat window. Right,
1: so we're going to leave everybody on mute, and again, that's just for anonymity since we're going to rebroadcast it later.
0: And this is an audio only for people that are concerned about that. There is no video being captured of this presentation. We're just recording us. So Dawn, tell us about another polyamory tool. Well,
1: it's actually going to be kind of hard, right? Because, um, the... We said eight polytools, which is what this workshop actually started out to be, eight. And then later, a few years later, it was eight more. And then a few years later, it was eight more. So that's why we ended up writing the book. But um, so we've got, we've got a lot that we work with. But one of the ones that, uh, there's a couple that I really wish I had learned early on. And one of those is um, looking at things from another person's shoes, So, and this is kind of what I'd label this one. And what happened was, was um, Big D's wife, so my boyfriend, Big D, um, his wife was always excited when Big D and I would um, talk about doing something. So let's say we were going to go to the casino or we were going to go on a wine tour or something like that. I didn't know Southern Indiana had wine tours, (laughs) but they do. And that's what we did. So, Um, and, and his wife was always just super excited. You know, she's like, well, I'm great to hear that. Glad you guys are having a great time. You know, it gives me time to myself. So, you know, Don, take him away and do your thing because he likes to do things that I don't like to do. So please do those things. So he's not asking me to do those things and, you know, and stuff like that. And she was just never, never seemed to have a problem with it. And it's like, you know, that is actually so awesome. I actually love that attitude And I haven't really been good at that with Dan. I'm like, you know, he probably brings stuff to me that he's going to do with partners that my first reaction is defensive. Right. And we know why that happens. We've already discovered why that happens. But I'm sure it's just very challenging for him to um, even want to bring anything to me that's new. Because I've always got a challenge and, you know, and I always have to work on things. So... Having that experience of her being so excited about it and wanting to actually offer that to Dan, that was really powerful to me. So now when he brings me something new, I actually take a moment before before I respond. I try to. I am <laughs> usually really good at that yes. anymore. Every once in a while, there's a what sort of thing, but nothing like it used to be. And part of taking that moment, because I'm an external processor, so I really have to think about taking that moment of silence. And I kind of reframe. This is a reframing thing as well. And I flip my thinking to go, ooh, how would Dan, how would I want Big D's wife to respond to this? How would I want Dan to respond to this? Well, I would want him to be excited for me and happy for me. So that's what I'm going to offer him. So sometimes I still have to go through that talking myself through it to be able to get there. But it's much, much easier now. It's like, you bring me something new, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ooh, how would I want him to respond if I just asked him that myself? Right. So, and then that's the response I try to give him. So, yeah. So, it, it's a little slow, but it's it's faster now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a great tool. And when we think about when we interact in polyamory, one of the things that can be very defeating is when we act react defensively all the mm-hmm. time, right? Dawn always tells me, I want you to be honest with me. Don't walk on eggshells around me. But when I present something, a new partner or a new love or admitting that I just kissed somebody, and she responds with anger or defensively, right, it can be very challenging for me to consolidate those two, right? Because on one hand, you say, don't walk on eggshells around me. Okay, I just found I fell in love with the new guy down the street. Said, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, right? So to find that, not being defensive, right? So the tool Dawn just talked about is one of those that we can use to not be defensive. Another one that we yeah, found, because if
1: if I get defensive, you get defensive, and absolutely. then that's that's headbutting. So we try to
0: yeah, keep yeah, absolutely that from happening. And and that leads me to uh, one of the other tools that we found later in our polyamory journey. I wish we'd found it earlier. This one's called Uncomfortable Versus Wrong. Oh, yeah. And Uncomfortable Versus Wrong is to understand that... So the background, how we came across this tool, I had a partner who went off on a date with somebody. And on this date, she rode on the back of their motorcycle. And I had no clue that she was interested in motorcycles. And this is before I was interested in motorcycles. And... She uh, ended up, she she rode on the back of the motorcycle and they went to a baseball game and I had no clue that she was into baseball and I'm not into baseball. And then they had went back to his place and had uh, a a night full of passion. right? And she came back and she told me this story and I recognized that I was not only being defensive, but I was on the verge of being accusatory and I had to be quiet. And that's another tool. Because that should... something because something felt wrong. Right. So I had to look at that. And I said, all right, brain, what's going on here? Um, did she go out on a date with another guy? Yes. Is that within our parameters, within the agreements that we made? Absolutely. Rode on a motorcycle and did things that I don't do with her. Is that okay? Well, that's not against any of our Agreements. It's not, uh, it's within who we are to each other, polyamory wise. And then she had sex with this guy. Oh, she had sex with a new guy. Well, okay, we're sexual beings and it's we agree. It's what we do. <laughs> you know, It one of the very few uh, boundaries that we had in that relationship was safer sex, and she confirmed safer sex. So, what the fuck was wrong with me, right? Why was I feeling so bad about it and betrayed and angry about it. And like she did something wrong and what I recognized and this, this is where the tool uncomfortable versus wrong. She did nothing wrong whatsoever, but I still felt uncomfortable and that's okay. That allowed us to communicate about Mm -hmm. it without the defensiveness. I got to say, you know, Oh, you know what? You did these things and I know you're, you know, great that you did these things. There's nothing wrong with you doing these things. I do the same goddamn things, except for the baseball, not a fan, (laughs) but I still feel uncomfortable about this situation. I am uncomfortable with the idea that you have found new hobbies that you enjoy with somebody that I just don't care about. And I'm uncomfortable by the fact I never knew you liked baseball. Now, that might be silly in your world, but in my world, I was with this partner for 11 years. And for her to, after 11 years of being with me, to say, oh, I love baseball, how do you not know that? Me and Elle go to great baseball games together, really threw me for a loop. Understanding the difference between uncomfortable versus wrong allowed Mm -hmm. me to have that conversation with her. Instead of, if it was wrong, then the conversation Why did you do that? You did the thing, right? That's what if it's wrong, that's the kind of conversation you have. Instead we got to flip it to, you know what, you did those things. I have to admit, I still am uncomfortable with that. That's my problem, not theirs. And the nice thing about them is then I can activate another tool. Mm -hmm. Which I should also talk. Oh well good. (laughs) Then but it's just so freeing as to open up those communication avenues right again avoiding being defensive and instead saying you know what i'm having some challenges you're my partner and my friend will you help me with some of these feelings that i'm trying to process we'll talk so, more about that yeah a we'll, bit. we'll talk
1: about that in just a little bit so but what the other thing i wanted to mention about uncomfortable versus wrong is is that um i know for me i have a hard time labeling my feelings so, and all I know is that something feels wrong. And therefore, if something feels wrong, the other person did something. So, you said a lot of this, but in, in, in my brain, it's just a few short words, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if it feels wrong, the other person did something wrong because I feel like something went wrong. So, therefore, I'm blaming the other person and trying to put them in a wrong box, mm-hmm, right? Nice, yeah. So, and instead, what it is is I feel uncomfortable. It's a me thing, mm-hmm. so now I have to work on me. So yes. it's a neat thing to have those two words, and it is uncomfortable. You know, if you if you look on the feeling wheel, I'm sure those things are close together somewhere. Right. But um, yeah, wrong is a you thing. You've done something to me, or you've done something wrong. Uncomfortable is a me thing. Nice. I have to work on me. I've got to so. chop
0: that. I'm going to chop everything I said out of the recording. No, of this no, no. Because it, you yeah, just said it so clear. Yeah.
1: So no, that works. So, um, so we had, um, a comment on the, which one was it? Other person's shoes. So it says, uh, we see it as responding to things as a threat versus a challenge. The challenge is good. We rise to a challenge, a threat. We respond defensively and are focused on ourselves and not the other. So yeah, absolutely. And, um, Dan and I, what, what is it that we say? Oh, another fucking life lesson or something like that, right? Another, another fucking challenge, another fucking life, life mm-hmm. lesson. But when you can reframe it like that, yeah, absolutely beneficial. Mm-hmm. And um, focusing on the other person is um, one of my driving forces anyway, right? That's why I do power exchange. That's what I'm trying to learn with the poly, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And with that comes the next tool. Which is work? See, segue. I'm, nice. I'm getting well better done. at that. Well done. So, um, so the next tool is coming from a place of assistance, and this one's really important to me because, um, for one, I read a lot on the poly boards about people not wanting to help their partners and not helping their partners with their emotions and stuff like that, and that's it's actually really confusing to me because we're a team. You know, me and you a team. Me and Big D a team. You and your partners are teams. You know, we came into these relationships with intent of nurturing relationships and growing, and and not necessarily like relationship escalator growing, mm-hmm. but just growing as people in general. And,
0: and I, just a quick comment that if we don't care what style of polyamory you practice, if you're yeah. if you're happy and the other people are happy, you're doing it right. Keep doing it. Right, but. For us the hardcore polyamory anarchy where I am me and I am only responsible to me and I refuse to have any considerations for you because And if you
1: get jealous I'm dumping you. I see that a lot too.
0: Yeah, that to uh, for us that's not an effective way to do polyamory. So Yeah, I I
1: don't think it would work for us. So what we learned, and again, I wish we'd learned this early on, (laughs) um, is coming from a place of assistance. So um, there are times, and some of our tools kind of flow into each other or work with each other. So let's say, um, oh, one of our, we had a huge hurdle that we were working on. And all I wanted was Dan's help, right? I didn't want him to stop what he was doing, which is what he thought I was saying so and and that's not what I was saying I was saying I was struggling I was having problems can you help me Mm -hmm. and we finally got to where we were hearing each other saying that
0: right if you're in a power exchange relationship or you're in a relationship where you're used to being the the responsible person for the other person um, some style of relationship. The the short version of this is this is brought from my monogamous background as well. If I brought home a new partner, and Don felt you know Don that caused the jealousy to arise
1: and suffering you and saw suffering, the suffering. Yeah. yeah
0: what I would do is well let me get let me uh, ask the new partner to go away. So that Dawn doesn't feel jealousy, right? Well, that's a very monogamous kind of thinking. That's a very—it's not a very healthy polyamorous style of thinking. Instead, what Dawn—Dawn Dawn never said, "Get rid of the new partner because mm-hmm. I feel jealous." What Dawn said was, "I feel jealous, and you're my best friend, and you're my partner. So help me to to deal with this jealousy. What can I do? Can I talk to you about it? What tools do you have?" Right at that point, we didn't. I, well, nowadays I would just hand her the same book that she wrote. Like, <laughs> but, you know, how can you assist me with this?
1: And and it's happened with you as well. Mm-hmm. So I can remember telling you a story in an ice storm on an icy road, and I felt your energy shift, right? Mm-hmm. And when I told that story, and it's kind of like I was part right way through the story, and I knew, I w- and then it just struck me that, oh, I was getting ready to say something that could cause a blip. And, And, but I have to finish the story. I mean, we're transparent with everything. So, Mm -hmm. and I want him to be happy for me and I don't want to hide things. So I'm going to finish the story. And I finished the story and I could just feel his energy shift. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, I just had a blip. And I'm like, is there anything I can do about that? And he's like, nope, I think I can work this one out. Because he's an internal processor, right? So I have to be careful not to poke too much at him Mm -hmm. because he does work things out in his head whereas I work things out loud which drives him crazy too so you know so we have to know each other's um processing styles because if I poke him too much I'm now taking the energy away from him processing it and now he's trying to fix the poking so (laughs) but um place of assistance we find that really really important so you know our, our friends our partners shouldn't have to Figure these things out on their own. I mean, sometimes just talking about stuff can bring that aha moment, which is what they're looking for. So do you have another tool? I was taking notes, though. You're taking
0: notes? Oh, I
1: like okay. Um, <laughs> I've got another tool, but I was going to give you a chance.
0: Well, thank you very much. Awesome. So the idea, as we continue these polyamorous relationships, and it's really cool that after Donna and I have been together for 20 years now, and we still... Continue to have these interesting interactions, and one of the things that we recognize is that um, the stranger may always show up. And what we call what we mean by the stranger is that just because I have this super p- solid relationship, whether the relationship I have with Dawn or I have another poly partner named Kat, that someone may show up, and regardless of how solid we think everything is, suddenly everything is weird and wonky and, you know, what the hell, who, you know, for example, if my relationship, if cat, for example... Started to date another dominant, or even weirder. Of-
1: even though you two, so Dan and I are Polly and Power Exchange. So if anybody joined us about Polly, and we didn't do our normal intro because True. we're also recording this for later, right? So we're, we're Power Exchange and Polly. You and Kat do not have a Power Exchange relationship. True. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So, but even if she started seeing another dominant, even though you guys aren't Power Exchange, you're a dominant.
0: Yeah. Right. So, thank you for the clarification. Mm-hmm. So that would cause not problems; nothing would be wrong, but it would cause things to shift and we to way we see things, and to continue to to continue to, as Dawn said earlier, these fucking life lessons. But really, <laughs> we're big fans of growth, right? So there will be a time where Don starts dating somebody who like maybe somebody who's super vanilla and i'll be like what
1: no tried that won't
0: happen or i might that out
1: there (laughs) you know i might start
0: um a relationship with another male-bodied person which is something i haven't done yet right none of these things are problematic but they are all all interesting and they are (gasps) new aspects of how we do things so the growth continues
1: now, I just realized, I said, it's never going to happen. And that's usually when the universe goes, Yeah, think? Here you go.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, that the next door, uh, tool that comes to my mind, and I'm going to a tiny bit of background. And in the chat window, if you want to, I want you to type in your favorite band or your favorite musician, and not just, oh, I really dig Nickelback, <laughs> but your absolute oh man this guy or this band or this singer, man, that's the shit that makes me rock. Right. Ramstein. Nice. Um so what happened was I had the opportunity, so I have my favorite band. And you know, and I can see by some of these bands that you guys are mentioning, right? Uh Romstein and the Smiths and Jeff Buckley. These aren't just oh I dig the music. These are oh yeah, like I you know, I the Smiths, right, I know People get psychotic about the Smiths, and um, I wouldn't, I don't know that anybody follows them like they, they used to follow the dead, but people that, you know, really into so this is the music, and you know, oh, wait, wait, this song's on, well, everybody shut the heck up, and I'm going to put on my headphones and to zone out for a while.
1: So if I say I don't know who the Smiths is, I probably have no chance of dating that person. Uh, <laughs> yep,
0: you are correct. <laughs> what is the name of that site, by the way? Do you know offhand?
1: Oh, no. We're going to come back
0: to this in a a second. I'll look it up. There's there's a really cool site related to music. Anyway, so I had the opportunity. For me, the band is Peter Gabriel. And Peter Gabriel was on tour the 25th anniversary of the So album. And although the So album's not my favorite Peter Gabriel album, the fact that he was doing the entire album from beginning to end, plus a bunch of other stuff. Really looking forward to that. It just so happens that... Both Don, this Don here, but also at the time I was dating Karen, both huge fans of Peter Gabriel as well. Now, we really believe that as much as polyamory is a group activity sometimes, Can't find it. there was a point where Don and I and Karen all lived in the same house for about five years. It doesn't mean you have to do everything, every activity with all your partners, right? There are some things that are special done by a duo, right? Not just like when Don and I have an anniversary, I don't invite Cat along, but things like for us, for this kind of music, for and if you're like, not a music person, mm-hmm. this you probably don't it, this doesn't grok for you. But going to a Peter Gabriel concert is kind of like going to church for me, right? It is that level of intensity. So Karen's like, "Yeah, I want to go see Peter Gabriel with you." And Dawn's like, "Well, I want to go see Peter Gabriel with you, right?" So what we figured out was that going to an experience with Karen like a concert is its own thing, right? So Karen likes to Karen likes to buy the super expensive tickets because she wants to be fairly close. And she likes to get there Eh, whenever, right? You know, maybe five minutes before the show starts. And she likes to stop for a fancy dinner and a drink on the way. That's how Karen likes to see movies. It's see, I'm sorry, see concerts, right? And if you see my face,
1: I don't get that. But go ahead. Dawn, <laughs> on the
0: other hand, um, doesn't see the value of spending $500 on a, on a seat, right? When there's an $80 seat that's got a pretty good view with this huge screen, and the sound quality is the same. And Don doesn't like to drink before going to a concert. And no, because really,
1: then I have to leave the music and go and pee. Go pee, right.
0: <laughs> right. So what we figured out is that these experiences are individual, right? I, the, it's the experience that I have of going to... And what is the name of this tool? I'm, I'm having a... Um, experience it differently. Experience it differently. Thank you. The experience I have with going to a concert with Karen... You're sitting in a different spot. But it's not just that, but the perception that the other person brings with Mm. them, right? Because Karen was a new listener. So Mm -hmm. Karen knew
1: a lot of the new music, where I knew a lot of the older music. So it's going to be different regardless.
0: Right. Yeah. The things that really resonate for, for Karen and the things that really resonate for Dawn are different. The point being, too, that overly long story Is this idea of experience it differently? And that's the next tool that I wanted to talk about. I got to apply that to all kinds of areas in my life where I recognize, I used to think that if Karen and, uh, what do we call that guy? Pittsburgh C, that's an anonymity thing, (laughs) went to a certain uh, venue, then, oh, well, that's their thing now. I'm not going to do that thing with you because now it's your thing. Or if me and Dawn went to a particular restaurant, then Karen wouldn't even want to go to that restaurant because that was our thing now. And what we figured out with this whole concert experience is this idea of experience it differently is that it's never the same. Even when you try, even when you're doing a very similar experience, like seeing a, a, the same artist sing a song or the same movie. It's a different experience because not only are you different at that point in time to be philosophical, but the person you're experiencing it with is different, and therefore the group experience is a different entity that you're that you're going through, right? One of the great ways that I got to apply this to for in my life, because I was raised in America as a male bodied human in what I was taught was you know, that sex is something that if somebody does it with someone else, you've got to immediately judge it as better or worse because it's a threat of some sort. Experience It Differently says that when Don and Big D have sex, it's their own thing. And I don't have to worry about what techniques or how long he lasted or what shape his penis is in. Because when Don and I have sex, it is a a different a different experience completely. For me, framing it that way to recognize that all experiences because of the participants are different, let me get away from the comparison thing. Of
1: the good or bad. Or, right. right. Yeah, so yeah. The, the summary
0: of the concert stories, of course, poor Dan, I had to go see Peter Gabriel twice. Oh, and then you got to see him a
1: third time because then we went as a trio.
0: Yeah, that, so, was, that was David Bowie's fault.
1: Uh, I, it, true, true. It was
0: right after Bowie died. And Prince. And Prince, right? So now everybody's, you know, so Don and Karen are both like, no, no, I don't care if we've seen this concert nine times. Peter Gabriel's going to die soon. We better go see him while he's still touring. Yes. That was five years ago.
1: <laughs> so I'm hoping to see him again. So um, one of the tools that I really, so Dan, we need to make sure to cover this one, how much time we got. We got I a little know, of but time. I, I would so want but, to
0: find the music matching dating I know, I thought I had it site.
1: on my um it's uh, no, striking chord. No, a
0: cord. no. All right, Don. You go into that other tool. Why you I find this? I am gonna find taste buds. Taste buds. Thank you. So, so, so there is a uh, a website called Taste Buds that it. You know, you've you know, you know, you guys know what Tinder is and OKCupid and, um, good lord, what's that funny one? Farm There's a lot friends. of funny ones. Farm friends, is it farm Something friends? like that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Taste Buds is, not, is the idea of date people that like the music you like. So you go in there, you put in the music that you like, and it matches you with other people that like that music. I mean, that, it's just a really cool dating site if you're into it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's not, not a lot of people on it right now. I didn't get matched. I got matched with you. A lot. That's (laughs) because
0: I make you listen to my music. There might be a lot of people on there and your music's not popular.
1: Well, I didn't put my 80s music in because it's not too popular with people. But that would be the people (laughs) that would date you. Maybe. Yeah, that is true. So, cool. So, I do like to mention um, one of my favorite, favorite is um I like this one because it's something that you can physically do instead of just reframing the mind and changing the way you think and slowing down your thoughts and stuff like this instead it's a physical thing that you can do and this is the joy journal mm. right so the compersion journal and basically what I did was um the way this came about was that I started reading some of my old journals I highly recommend that you never do that if you're the type of person that journals like I do and everything is negative, right? I'm processing stuff, so it's negative stuff. And I found these journals, which I carry with me all the time, and then I found, um, you had given me a little micro recorder at one point Mm -hmm. because I was doing a 40-minute drive back and forth to work and this was before recording on phones and um I found the little mini tapes it was in the, the under yeah. the seat of my truck and I was listening to them and I was like oh holy shit why am I Polly? I'm a mess this is crazy I'm miserable all the time and I'm looking in my um journals and I went to Dan I'm like am, am I really like this I why are you with me you know and he's telling me he's like you're not like that all the time. I'm like, look, I got proof. I'm like this all the time. And he's like, no, look at the dates on it. You know, this isn't every day. This is months and months apart between some of these things. And I'm like, no, this just isn't right. I seem to only write when I'm miserable. So I need to change this focus. So I went out and bought a pink leather bound book. And this is going to be my joy journal. And basically the thought behind it was, is that I am only going to write positive, happy moments, poly moments in this book. And what ended up happening was I started looking for those moments. So instead of you know only writing when oh crap that made me feel horrible which I still processed with some writings in this book it was you know okay well it's been a couple of weeks since I've written anything in this book you know what else is joyous there's got to be more joyous things because I'm Polly he's Polly we're mm-hmm. Polly you know I'm dating other people there's got to be joyous stuff going on or I wouldn't be doing this And um, it started to change my thinking. So there is still some reframing in there, right? Sure. And maybe it's not reframing. Maybe it's just a change of focus. Change of focus better. Right? So, but I'm physically writing things down. So when um, Big D's oldest son, who did, because of a bad experience in his parents' uh poly experience before then mm-hmm. he wasn't thrilled with Polly. he wasn't thrilled with me coming in and you know spending time with the family he was always respectful but he wasn't thrilled with it and um him and his new wife had a baby and he came up to me and asked me if i wanted to hold his baby oh i mean that was like huge huge so that goes in the joy journal, you know. And then other moments where I feel compersion for you, you know, when I feel compersion for other things, where I've accomplished stuff. Man, I wrote that stuff down. And that was so pivotal for me that now my chain, now my thoughts are looking for positive moments. And that's when I had that phoenix ritual. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to um, permanently tattoo on my back of phoenix rising because i had made so much progress that it felt like the click that was needed Mm -hmm. so the joy
0: journal very cool so here's (laughs) another one if you
1: want to touch that one
0: so actually i'm going to talk about something similar (laughs) conceptual wise is that so for example i don't know how to the, the neat thing about the, the polyamory toolkit is there's 25 different tools in there because I, they resonate to each Dawn and I differently. And like mm-hmm. I could care less. I don't really care about the Joy Journal. That's not one that really resonates for me, but it was important for Dawn. But I, on the other hand, um, will love Place of Assistance, which Dawn does as well, right? So we, on occasion we talk to people and they're like, well, how do we do polyamory? And I can say, well, I can give you a box of tools, but the reality is I can't tell you how you do polyamory. So just because, so for example, if one of your, one person is a, um, loves deer hunting and, um, they're a big fan of rap music. And they were raised conservative Christian. Wrap your head around that. And the other person, and the person that they're they're engaging with, and the, that they're starting to date, happens to be a very organized, type A personality person who was raised in a atheist household where everything had its place, and um, they were staunch communist just for an example, right? I'm really curious where you're going with this. <laughs> I can't tell you, oh, well, then this tool oh, okay. really fits that situation. So instead, we have a tool called the Working Journal, right? It's not like the Joy Journal, but it's kind of the, in where you take these beautiful things that have happened. The Working Journal is your opportunity to, to create mm. your own polyamory toolkit. So what the Working Journal says is that if Dawn goes off on a date – And she's going off on a date with this new guy. And I stay home and I sit there and I try to watch TV. But I know I don't like TV. But I'm going to sit there and try and watch TV by myself. And that's not fun. So I'm going to try and play a video game that I've already beat. And that's not fun. And I realize I'm just trying to distract myself. So what I write down in my working journal is that when Dawn goes off on a date with another guy for the first time, don't stay home. Right, And instead, the next time maybe she goes out, I'll go hang out with other polyamorous people Right, and we'll talk about, maybe we'll talk about nothing, maybe we'll play board games together, maybe, but just be with other polyamorous people. And if that feels good and that works out for me, then that goes in the working journal. And then I say, ah, when Don goes off on a date with the new guy, you know what, if I stay home by myself, I'm going to feel crappy, go off, make dates for yourself, go off with other people, go play board games, do stuff like that that you enjoy, Right that goes in my working journal and it keep going like that right where mm-hmm. we when we determine what works out for us create your own operators manual right um, if you're familiar with cunning minx who does the polyamory weekly podcast right she talks about creating your own owner's manual and i'm a big fan of that idea the working journal is kind of a modification of that where if I find out that something like the Joy Journal doesn't really work for me, but Draft Emails, another one of our tools, is a great one, make sure I put that in my working journal and says, hey, don't forget to relay on that. Things like trusting Dawn and being brave, right? Um, I used to make a huge mistake in polyamory. If, if, if there was one thing I could go back 20 years in our journey and give myself this one piece of advice, I would say, Be fearless tell Dawn fearlessly what's going on if you're starting to develop emotions for somebody tell everybody hey every, hey all my poly partners this new person I'm flirting with i think i've got the i think i've got it that i think i've got rolls that, you know, into it thing another thing on,
1: right manage surprises
0: <laughs> Absolutely, right? So when managing surprises is a big positive tool for me, that goes in the working journal. So create your own little operator's manual like that. Collect the things that work for you. It's really neat when we see on, whether it's uh, a Facebook or Reddit or FetLife, when somebody says, hey, how do you deal with X? And people come up with all these interesting ideas. And a lot of times, you right, you might say, And I'm just going to pick something weird. How do I deal with it when my chocolate melts? And somebody else says, well, never put your chocolate on the back dash of the car. You know, that's why your chocolate's melting. You guys all know the internet. You know the way the internet works. Somebody else is going to post that it's completely idiotic to tell people where to put their chocolate. It's a free world. You should be able to put your chocolate wherever you want. And chocolate doesn't melt ever because... All they've ever experienced is were M&Ms. And then it becomes political. Right. And then somebody <laughs> says something political, which we're not going to get into <laughs> at this point, right? If I have a good working journal, right, I might take notes and say, wow, this person suggested this and this person suggested that. But overall, fuck y'all. I don't really... You guys are giving me some thoughts, but you're not in charge of the way shit works. I'm going to give, take your ideas. I'm going to try and see if it works. And I'm going to take what I need and leave the rest. And then, I don't, I, you know what? <clears throat> I'm not going to be swayed by, geez, Linda Lou said I should never put my chocolate there. I, you know, instead, you know what? But what works for me, eat the chocolate as soon as you buy it. Right off the bat, eat that damn chocolate. It never <laughs> melts.
1: That works. So, cool. One more tool? Sure. Okay. um, And, not, or. That was another big one for me. So, um, and, not, or. I'm still thinking of chocolate, and I've been fasting all day, <laughs> so this is really hard for me. <laughs> I haven't eaten since last night. Um, so, and, not, or. Again, another, another big one for me. But I did not learn this one until... Uh, part of mine and Dan's story is is that we dated as a couple for years, and then we started dating separately. When um probably what five years in or something like that, we started dating separately because we weren't finding people that work for both of us. Right? We weren't finding couples. We weren't finding people that work for both of us. Um, makes sense. He's dominant. I'm submissive. You know, we, we've got a lot of opposites here, and and it's hard to to date someone else that works. Um. Anyway, so we started dating separately. Dan, of course, much easier to find people to date, right? Me, a lot harder. So here he is, you know, uh, polysaturated, and I'm still looking around trying to find somebody. So I didn't, even though I understood poly, and I know I'm poly, and I really have fantasies of the utopia of poly, Dan dating other people really drove me nuts, so it took me having my own boyfriend to have it finally click for me. And I was sitting at um God I don't even know what hamburger joint me and G were at. And um I realized that I loved G the boyfriend at the time, but I still loved Dan. And yes, that is a that is a poly thing, right? But it actually happened and I was mm-hmm. experiencing it instead of just Theorizing and knowing, right? And when that happened, I'm like, oh, it's an and. All these times Dan has fallen in love with someone else, and I've had the fear that he's going to leave. Why would I have that fear that he's going to leave because he found someone else? I mean, there could be other reasons that he would want to leave, right? (laughs) But not because he found someone else, even though that could still happen. But I didn't need to fear that every single time. So it was an and. Not an or.
0: Yeah. Right? The the idea of and this is you know, one of the big challenges in polyamory that people have is this idea of scarcity. This mm-hmm. idea that we only have a limited amount of love. So if you love Linda Lou, then it's you must not love me. It's right. It's it's or this or mentality. If Karen enjoys going to baseball games with someone else, then she's clearly, you know, well, I don't like baseball games, so I guess it's it's him or me, right? The reality is it's polyamory is all about and. It's all about additions. It's all about inclusiveness in that regard. So that Karen loves baseball and playing boards games with me. Karen loves riding the motorcycle and board games with me. I, I like board games a lot. Um, <laughs> or whatever else that I'm into, right? That when Dawn has great sex with Big D, it doesn't mean, oh, I guess no more great sex for Dan. It's not a it's not a or situation, it's an and situation. I mean, yeah, she has to take a shower first, for fuck's sake. But that's just one of my things, right? It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is okay. So this idea- I, I
1: require the same thing
0: of you. <laughs> yeah. So we continue to frame things, you know, when when we experience we, this idea of scarcity and my partner's doing this new thing and I guess I don't get to do this thing anymore. Instead, to frame it as, ah, great that they get to do that with them and they get to do it with me. It works for me as well, obviously, right? That's part of the polyamory aspect, right? Dawn's having great sex with Big D. Well, you're really... And great sex with Wait, me. Wait, Big D
1: and I also go, like, on wine tasting and stuff. It's no, not it's all just about the... sex. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> I I've developed I've changed the story on you. I, that's my story. I like my story. I'm sitting in a little little thing watching it. It's, now it's getting exciting for me. This idea that, you know, Dawn gets to go off and have great wine tastings. Well, see, that's a, coffee yes. tastings with Big D. And I get to go on big coffee tastings with cat, right? This lack of scarcity thinking, right, to turn it into this generosity thinking, right? One of the key Mantras, which is another tool we're not going to have time to get into, but one of the key mantras that I have when I when I start to feel these negative, mm, and we could get into this whole whether emotions are ever negative or positive or anything, they're tools. Just roll with it for now. When I get into emotions, feelings that I would prefer not to feel because they are unpleasant, mm. um, I try to come back to the mantra of generosity. Right, this idea that. They're doing these and things, and that's a goodness, right? Why wouldn't I be happy that somebody I love is riding a molar, roller coaster or going to a baseball game or having great sex? I want my partners to have all the joy and f- happiness they can find. They want the same for me, right? So to continue, the, the and not or is a great opportunity to work into generosity.
1: So I'm, I'm reading on the chat. Uh, dealing with sex jealousy is pretty common. But what about jealousy over other intimacies like a pet name ooh, or a first time or sharing personal stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be that can be rough, too. Right. Because I'm actually not as jealous over the sex Dan has with other people because I know what's between us is really special and can't be replaced. Right. Whatever he has with someone else is different. Than what he has with me, which is what we tried to explain before. So yeah, it's it's not the sex. It's the when I hear Cat tell Dan I love you,
0: right? Or or really neat. We just did. This it's big not it's camping. not a big
1: thing anymore. But the you first can't. time I heard it, it was a huge thing.
0: We just did this big camping thing with Ooh. I mean ten other people, right? Cat happened to be one of the people. It wasn't a poly thing, but Cat Cat happened to be one of the people that was there. You know, when Cat, we're just having these general conversations and, you know, Cat shares this intimate mo- moment that Dawn and I share, or that she and I shared, right? And I didn't, you know, I don't I don't hide that from Dawn, but it shit just doesn't always come up, right? I don't share every intimate moment because a lot of them don't come up or they're intimate, right? I, I don't want to, but... The point being, how do you deal with these? That's the fun bit, right? It's yeah. the the emotional the tools journal, yeah. of and not or. Uh, another great one is the idea of this draft email, where we're taking this emotional thing that we're perceiving and writing it out in kind of a. It's a modification of the journal draft email. One another one of the tools that we don't have time to get into. Um, a variety of tools to go after that, right? That's all real stuff. For some of us, it is sex. For some of us, it's intimacy. For some of us, it's experiences, right? Finding that thing that is causing you the most challenges at that moment. And by the way, it's so funny to hear Dawn say, the sex doesn't bother me because gosh darn, that used to be number one on the bother me list Mm -hmm. years ago. But all that kind of changes, right? The really weird thing and the thing that I want you to, to, one of the things we want you to walk away from this is... That Don and I have been doing this for 20 years. Karen and I were together for 12 years. Big, Big D, D and Don. We're coming up on eight, eight or nine. Me and Kat coming up on seven. And at the beginning, all the stuff that you're going through, being whether it's emotional jealousy, scarcity thinking, anger, all that stuff was present for us. And
1: could still be. It right? can still
0: come up. Because, um,
1: you know, who knows who we're going to be dating next. It's going to be different. Yes. Everybody that comes in is different. So it could absolutely happen again. We're not saying we've got this totally figured out. We're, boy, I, this is a knock on wood thing, right? You know, right now we're calm and smooth, even with all the changes that have happened during COVID. It can change.
0: But the point being is... Use that knowledge to create some trust that things are going to work out the best that they can. And eventually, that confidence becomes faith. And, you know, right now we talk about the stranger might show up and throw us off for a loop. The reality is, I believe, I have great faith in my relationship with Kat, my relationship with Dawn. Confidence was a big one for me. The relationships that we have, that they're going to be right. Karen and I are no longer together after 12 years, and that's okay. It flowed the way it was supposed to. We're still friends. We're going to have dinner tomorrow night, apparently. Uh, She's buying, though, because we're not dating anymore. (laughs) Ha-ha. Feminism. I don't I. (laughs) We better just zip out on that one. So we're going to finish up the podcast,
1: and then, indeed...
0: I don't know where we are yet. <laughs> take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcast. Take a moment to support the workshop, too. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. Yeah, if you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com erotic awakening and take a look at the options. Like uh, discounted stuff. And more. And we
1: also do a let's chat with our Patreons. Once a month, and I think the next one is about communication tools.
0: If you want the playback of this audio that you've just listened to in the workshop, head over to eroticawakening.com podcast. It'll get posted there tomorrow. You don't have to subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to it right from the website. Also, if you're interested in that polyamory toolkit, again, head over to eroticawakening.com, available on Amazon. Yes. And stuff like that.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Bye Dom. Bye Dan.